How do we balance work and school and downtime and online socialising and browsing for information and news with maintaining offline conversation and relationship? Time is definitely not just a problem for kids, it's a problem for all of us. Now, it used to be that we could put computers into the living room and that was our job as supervising uh, parenting, but then came, the <laughs> then came the game changer, which was, of course, smartphones and iPads. Uh, what's happened is we normally play this one first. There you go. Okay. Well, we'll Except that might be a bit loud. When you were a kid, what did you do for fun? So we'd go blueberry picking, for instance. Uh, just, that's so cute. <laughs> but it was true. We grew watermelons, um, plantains. I found an old sign which was big enough for me to sit on and made a great toboggan. It was very slick and very fast. <laughs> I had a few fish in my basket and I looked up on this bluff and here's this black bear sitting there watching me. If he starts chasing me, I'm going to keep throwing the fish out of my basket until he's gorged and he won't, and he won't bother me. And what did you like to do for fun? You know, you go door to door, get a group of kids, and you play uh, lots of games, uh, hide and seek, just going out to the field and playing baseball. And we build these massive forts, you know, the kind that you can actually sit in and, and, and play in, you know, with, with our friends, and it was just really wonderful. So what do you like to do for fun? Video games. Definitely. I like to go on my phone. Text. Some email. My favorite thing to do in the world is definitely watching videos and playing video games. Those take up so much of my time. Three hours or t three to four hours a day. Same. Five hours straight. Just last week, I watched 23 episodes of a TV series in less than four days. I forget. I'm in a house. I have parents. I have a sister. I have a dog. I... Just think I'm in the video game, I completely get lost. I would die if I don't have my tablet. Whenever I feel upset, I'd play video games and I'd feel normal. It's really wonderful. When your daughters grow up, your great-great-grandkids, what do you think will happen if this trend continues? It's scary to think that they'll never have to leave the house. Cindy grew up uh, doing a lot of the things that I did and, and enjoyed, and I see what uh, my grandsons are doing today, and it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. By the time they have kids, it's going to be a really different environment. I actually feel a little sad because I feel like he's missing out on what's out there mm -hmm. in the beautiful world. connection with nature I think it's innate in all children but needs to be nurtured Go on. Um, there's a ring of truth in that isn't there uh, and I don't know what you remember your childhood like um, or, your, or whether you've heard sto stories from your parents. But certainly we're at risk of this changing significantly. All right, so we have the smartphone, iPad generation. We've moved from that to that. 
and it has really changed, it has been a game changer and we've noticed it in the last few years of doing these kinds of things, how much more, in fact, I have some statistics. Uh, what do you think is the average age to hand over one of these devices uh, fully to the child to use? As their own. As their own without control. How old do you think? Six, eight, nine. Any others? The latest statistics are 10. 10 that's across the board. Uh, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic area you live in, um, it's the same. 10. Uh, before your first birthday, before a child's first birthday, 97% of them have used a mobile phone. 97% before their first birthday. How many, Not for phone calls. <laughs> how many one-year-olds do you think own their own tablet? What percentage? 20%. 20% of one-year-olds have their own tablet. Because we speak about this stuff, one of Simone's friends who um, ha had a, a young one, this is going back a little bit now, um, uh, said to her, oh, you know about this stuff. I'm thinking of getting a tablet for how old was... He was 15 months. He was 15 for, for, what was his name? Matthias. Um, for Matthias. I'm thinking of getting a tablet. What, which one should I get? I said, why? <laughs> she said, all my friends have bought them for their kids. So we had a little chat. So she we re-normalise around what other people do. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, why do parents hand a smartphone over to their young children? Not to own necessarily, but to play with. Why do they do it? 70% while they're doing chores, because it keeps their kids happy and quiet. 75 65% just to keep the kids calm because they're going crazy, so you just give them a phone. Um, and 30% to help the kids go to sleep at bedtime because they go to sleep better if they're playing on a phone. Let me obviously. tell you, worst possible thing you can do for their sleep will worst. actually really disrupt their sleep patterns. Worst. Anyway, um, uh, the toy of the year, the, non, the opposite of toy of the year, the worst toy of the year a few years ago, the iPotty. So, you know, those of you perhaps years ago who were toilet trained children and you have to sit there in the cold room in winter singing songs and reading stories and waiting for a little magic drop of something. Um, but now, so you don't need to, you can stick them on the iPod and put their iPad in and walk away and they can just play on their iPad all day and you're t you don't have to interact with them at all. It's terrific. All right. Uh, why do you think parents buy these devices for their kids? Why do they buy their kids a smartphone? Why? That is the number one parent's uh, answer, particularly among... 90% of parents say that reason. Uh, particularly among um, parents that probably didn't grow up with smartphones but have come to them later, they will buy their, their kids a phone for safety. But Make they think call. they're handing over a phone. Remember phones? Phones are what you talk on to people. That is the last thing that that child sees. Definitely. 71% uh, uh, buy them because their friends have one. Because the kids said, everybody else has got one, I want one. And the parents say, okay, well, everyone else has got one, you can have one. Peer okay. pressure is not just a thing on kids, it's a thing on parents as well. So what are they doing on their phones, these primary school, early high school kids who've got their own smartphones? They're texting and calling friends, playing games, posting on social media, reading status updates, watching and or uploading videos, listening to music, visiting chat rooms, taking and sharing photos, browsing online sites that interest them, finding out stuff they want to know about anything at all, banking, we've had a few issues with that, uh, other people have told us, gambling increasingly, buying stuff online, often on their parents' credit card, and watching porn, a very, very big problem, which we'll get to in a little while. 
Um, younger parents buy phones for their kids for different reasons. These new millennials, my kids, my daughter, who's 23, is, she's grown up with this stuff. She's going to be thinking about it differently to other people, except that we're her parents and maybe she won't. But um, why do they do it? Because they see it as an essential part of life. It's a must-have. You must have this, you must have that, and you must have a phone. The smartphone is the bit that God forgot to graft on when you were born, right? And so you have to add it yourself. That's kind of almost, it's the, it's the, the new normal, unless we're, Elon Musk, the guy who does, does a Tesla car, is actually working on sort of brain interfaces, direct brain interfaces, um, so we actually don't need... Uh, smartphones are a transitory technology, by the way, just in, in case you missed the memo, um, because with uh, something to project images onto the back of your retina and an implant on your brain and a bone attached, um, you can live in this augmented reality. You know, you can have Pokemon Go coming up in front of your eyes without actually pulling out a device. Fantastic world we're going to head into. (laughs) But for these young children, the impact of screens on them, which is increasing every year, the statistics come out and they're more and more and more. What impact is it having on them? These impacts are measurable. Um, and reliable, and they are speech and language development. Speech therapists report an increase in the number of children with poor speech development, especially the more screen time they have, the poorer their speech development is. Uh, Young people develop relationships and language skills by interacting with people face-to-face, and those parents who are parenting before all of this has come along knows that you spend those first years talking and listening to your child all the time, and it's infuriating but it's extremely beneficial to them and important for their language development. And you take that away by giving them an iPad to play for hours and hours. You're taking away a really important step in their development. Uh, Communication. Closer family communication happens without the constant distraction of screens. Motor skills and physical development. Poor motor skills, gross and fine motor skills. They can swipe really well, but they can't use their fingers to do things because that's not where they had their practice. Uh, physical risks, back problems, neck problems, eye problems, uh, because of the way they're sitting. You know your kids, they can sit in funny positions for ages uh, with their screen. It is causing problems. Talk to an osteopath, they'll tell you this. Uh, we spoke to an a, um, ophthalmologist who uh, said it's not just the fixed focal length of them using something close, which is the obvious thing when you think about eye problems, but in fact the hands inform the brain when you understanding vision and depth and so being able to touch things at different depths and you've got this pane of glass which presents something as 3D beyond but it's actually all happening here um, and so your brain's getting deceived and they're actually seeing, starting to see a trend in, in young kids. Mm. In terms of brain function we've got overload, sensory overload, hyperactivity, impulsiveness, moodiness, poor uh, attention spans, all of this happening increasingly the more screen time they have in the early years the bigger the problems. Uh, creative play. Children need time to be bored and to create and to imagine. Um, and when we hand them a device because they're bored, we cut that off. We have to not cut that off. If your children come to you and say they're bored, well, if, if our children came to us and said they were bored, we made them clean the toilet. Um, so they There's always something to be done. Very quickly. That, that, well, the B word was never mentioned. Even today, we wouldn't, they, even the te- they will not say it. If they start to think it, I say, do you need a job? And they say, no, it's okay, I can find something to do, good. Uh, so don't, you know, let them be bored. Let them do other things. Don't just stifle that. And people have said to me, you know, but they do creative games. Yeah, that was someone else's creativity that rendered all those scenes and 
did that storyline and thought of those puzzles that they need to solve. It's not their creativity, creating something from scratch, like we saw in the video, building forts and, you know, climbing trees and all that sort of there stuff. There are places for that, but we just need to keep it all in perspective. Um, lifetime habits are formed in the preschool years. So unlimited screen time teaches kids that they need to be entertained all the time. And so when they're not being entertained, they are discontent. Uh, academic achievement. School performances uh, are dropping, um, which is crazy because they're throwing these technology to our kids and increasingly, I don't know what school your kids all go to, but... Whose school <laughs> sends home tablets with their kids or um, IT of any sort? Yeah. Um, common thing. We've actually spoken at a school who gave all these kids tablets and then wrote to all the parents and apologised because it actually took things downhill. Yeah. Um, the resu academic results just went... Crash. We have a, a relative in the publishing industry who a school was asking for more and more textbooks online. Two years later, they said, actually, we want to go back to hardcover. So the experiment that they're still conducting is generally not in favour of technology brings better education outcomes. And again, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic area you come from or what culture you come from, the effects are the same. So what do we do? How do we... How do we approach this? Is there, is there anything we can do about this? Well, there is. Well, I think there is something we can do. We can have a go at it. Driving lessons. This is where we start the training. This is our job as parents to put into them the training that they're going to need to help them through this phase of life that they're in. Uh, we have a really helpful quote that we like to use, which is this. I don't think we've got it on the slide, but I'll read it to you. The fundamental biblical principles for raising a child aren't circumstantial. They are eternal. They don't change with new technologies or theories or new families. Scripture clearly calls us to love, discipline, teach, guide, protect, nurture and develop our children. That's what we're called to do as parents. Whether we live in a technologically saturated world or not, we need to do our job as parents. I love the irony of that quote because it was actually written by a guy called Julian Illion who wrote it in his book called MySpace, My Kids. Anyone remember MySpace back when it was cool? Okay. What's he saying? The fundamental biblical principles of parenting don't change. Technology comes and goes, as is illustrated by the title of his book, MySpace. Right? It's gone. But the same principles are really relevant. Mm. So I want you to think about where your kids are, wherever they're immersed online and whatever they're up to. What voices speak to them? What are the voices that they hear, even if it's TV or, you know, what, that's pretty old technology now, isn't it? But in fact, hardly anybody watches it anymore, apparently. Yeah, we do. We stream it. We just don't broadcast it over <laughs> the air. That's right. right. Um, who's speaking to your kids? What are they talking about? Who's answering the important life questions that they have? Why are we here? What's the meaning and purpose of life? Is there a difference between right and wrong? Is there a God? Who are the loudest voices in your kids' world? Now, we've got a very quick little activity to do, like two minutes, and that is to turn to the people you are with, people around you, um, and have a quick chat about what are the messages that children receive through the technology that they're immersed in. And there's some ideas there to kind of trigger your thinking. What is it that they're learning in this world that they're living in? You've got two minutes. Off you go.
five minutes to do that. Where was that the car analogy? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, how long are we going to go over our 45? We're about to get told. Mm -hmm. that yeah. What do you want to do for time? Quickly. You can watch a video and then start the video. Well, do you want to do this or, or not? That's time consuming, it's yeah. valuable, but it's time consuming. Or should we go straight to? Yeah, we'll go straight to that, I think. This? Yeah. We've got some Bible verses, I think, so we'll put those up. Which ones? The Colossians. God's wisdom. Yeah. Do you want me to put them through now? Get rid of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Start there. That's before the model. Alrighty, I'm sorry your time is up. We need to move on. If we had more time, we would love to hear from you and, and hear what sort of things you came up with. But hopefully you had a time to chat about, uh, about what it is that our kids are being influenced by in this world. Um, as Christian parents, we want to uh, teach our children the wisdom of the Bible. Uh, and the Bible is full of wisdom. And it actually speaks amazingly to this world that we live in if you dig deep enough you can find it there are a lot of proverbs and psalms that really speak to our voices what we say and how we behave um, but what do we want our kids to know how are we raising our kids and here's a helpful list that um, helps us remember what it is we're trying to teach our kids in this world to put others before themselves to show respect compassion kindness and patience to have self-control and humility to be wise with making good choices, to use their time well, to be content and not conform to the materialism and restlessness of the world around them, to be sure of their identity, their personal identity, their family identity, their spiritual identity. That's what we want. And we want that regardless of whether we're living in a world saturated with technology or not. So we have to work out how to teach this stuff to our kids even though we live in this... In spite of and in the context of the technology that's invaded our homes or we've invited into our homes or brought into our homes. So before we put up a, a three things to consider about bringing new technology in, but let's face it, it's already here. So if you've got technology, how do you manage it? So here's a model for managing technology. Be informed about what is there. What, is the, what are the kids using? How does it work? What are the dangers? What are the benefits? What social media sites are they on? What games are they playing? What do they watch on YouTube? Has anybody got kids that watch that unboxing stuff? And they just spend hours watching other people open presents. It's the weirdest thing, but it's really big. I don't know. Uh, who are they spending time with online? Who are their online friends? We need to be informed if we're going to parent well. 
The second one is teach. We don't need to teach our children how to use technology. We know that. You know that by the time you're fumbling with that new box trying to find the instruction manual, they've got the thing up and running and they know what they're doing. So we don't need to teach them that. But we do need to teach them how to be wise. How to be wise online. We need to remind them to be kind and humble and honest and accountable and content and self-controlled because that does not come naturally to our children. It doesn't come naturally to our children. We have to teach them these things. We need to teach them to be aware of the public and permanent nature of online communication. Even our older teenagers forget that what they do online is public and can be seen and they can't be taken away sometimes. We need to teach them to use social media wisely. We don't just say, sure, you can have a social media account and then just never say anything about it ever again. We have to help them this, walk through this process. Teach them to come to you before downloading or buying apps. Password protects your family iTunes account so that you don't suddenly realise that they've got all this stuff that you didn't know about. You're still a parent. You can still have control over some things. That's definitely something you can have control over. All right, model is the third one. Is this not the hardest thing in parenting? Honestly, um, there's a saying in parenting, more is caught than taught. Right? And this really struck home to me when I saw habits of my father in my son and my son doesn't spend any time with my father. And I wasn't aware that I was doing them, but he got them from me. Um, they so much more... So if you, and I know, i am currently got three, but I'm not counting three, two learner drivers. If you have been modelling, fiddling with your phone while you drive, that will come back to haunt you. Because you can tell them, don't text and drive, but if they've seen you do it, they know what you meant. I saw it, I was at a preschool music class today and there was a little girl there, she was a one-year-old who was tagging along and she found her mother's phone in the bag and she had this phone to me and she's going, blah, 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 She's been watching. It was quite cute. So, yes, think about yourself and how you use your devices and when you use your devices and how you converse with your kids and whether you've always got your head down. We had, I run a girls' brigade group. We had a Mother's Day dinner last night and there was one mother there that did spend the whole time with her head down in her phone while her girls are there bringing her cups of tea and making craft. And, I, and she just was like this and I really wanted to say to her, could you just put that away for a minute? Enjoy this moment with your kids. But anyway, I couldn't say that. All right, protect, the next one. Protect our children from accidentally stumbling into unsavoury and inappropriate areas online and from others who might be malicious. Password lock all portable devices to protect children. And ones in your living room. Even, even if you've still got the shared computer in, in, in the family room, um, you, you really don't want anything where a child of any age can walk up and start using a common account that's used by everybody or an unpassword-protected account. We see lots of parents with un password locked phones in their bags and their children can go and help themselves and play with them and they don't have some control over what's And we have mothers say to us but that's so inconvenient I don't want to have to unlock it We come across countless Pool fences are inconvenient (laughs) They're terribly inconvenient I have to lift the latch to be able to swim You know this is stuff that we do to protect our kids The countless stories we hear about kids coming coming across porn at very young ages which we'll hopefully talk about later are very very disturbing and sad and parents can play a part in protecting their children by simply pass locking their devices um, and their accounts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Install filters and accountability software. We'll talk a little bit about that later. 
uh, up, keep them updated. Keep computers and devices in public areas. So Gorn is the main computer in the lounge room, perhaps, but your children don't need to take their devices to their bedroom and shut the door and sit in the cupboard and play. They can, our children, our bedrooms are upstairs. The children are allowed to take their devices upstairs. We have a bookshelf downstairs with all these USB chargers, rows and rows of USB ports, and everything just gets put Docked on the at shelf. Night. Have you docked your devices? Good night. Yep. Because we want to protect our kids. We're not just, not just that we're mean parents, although we might be, but we want to protect our kids. They don't really understand that now. They say, don't you trust me? Well, it's not that we don't trust you. We just want to protect you. They don't, we, don't want to open, we don't want to pollute their minds by telling them all the things that could happen. We just need them to trust us that we're keeping them safe. All right, supervise. We can't know everything that they will do or see or say online. We can't see it all. But we, can, we do have an obligation to keep an eye over things. So, um, again, don't let them in their bedrooms at night. Know what social media sites they're on. Join up if it's appropriate. Facebook, well, if you're not on Facebook and your kids are, you should be on Facebook. Um, this is something that happens over time, right? So you gradually move from sitting with them, supervising, through to just checking in every now and again. You know the great thing about 120... Oh, I'm going to say this with a smile on my face. The great thing about 120 hours of driving instruction, when the kids can control the car, steer and brake, and generally drive sort of safely after 20, maybe 30 hours... Great captive parenting time. But also you get to see situations that you wouldn't do. Like when we got our licences, it certainly wasn't after 120 hours of instruction. It was a lot quicker. We could pass the test a lot quicker. But there are a whole bunch of situations that we hadn't driven in, um, whether at night through Sydney traffic, country roads on family holidays, all sorts of things you get to experience with your kid. And it's exactly the same as you gradually supervise and change the level of supervision as they get older. Hmm. Last one is to trust. And on getting older, we have to trust our kids. We do sometimes meet parents who are really good at the controlling thing, not so good at the trusting thing. So we come across parents with teenagers who are at school leaving age who are just busting out because their parents are really over-controlling. So we have to work out when to let the boundaries out. Let me tell you the secret to parenting right now. I can, if you've been nodding off because it's late and I understand, let me just bring it right back to exactly what parenting's all about, okay? When they're born, right up this end of the spectrum, you do everything for them, okay? You change their nappy, they don't eat without you helping them, you know, like you do everything. You make every decision for that child and you are responsible for everything they do. Then one day, by the grace of God, by the time they're at 30, they move out of home. And hopefully you've raised a fully responsible adult. My, um, the, the one you saw whose wedding at the beginning, uh, Oliver, and when he turned 18, he said to me, I can go to adult jail now. And it wasn't that he was making plans to end up in prison, but he got something that a lot of his peers don't get. He's now fully accountable in the eyes of the law, at least, for his own decisions. And parenting is really about getting them from here to here. And to do that, you don't keep them bound up really tight, and then suddenly say, out you go, make your own way. You have to hand over little bits of responsibility a little bit at a time. So my Wi-Fi filters are completely useless to my university-age son living in Mount Gambia. Right? I can't protect him anymore. So at some point along the journey, I had to have those conversations with him about content and time and relationship and how, how you use technology wisely and make them his responsibility, not mine. And that's what parenting is all about. That's why we move through, be informed, teach, model, protect, 
and then supervise and trust. Yeah, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, perfect and pleasing will. I think we've got a video clip. Yep, we'll do that. And then, we're, and then after that, I'll invite Ed up and then we'll have a break for a little bit. So the last video we played, you talked about kids and how they're stuck on their devices. This one might be a little bit more pointed at you. Are we going? Is that going to play? going to break for, for 10 minutes where you're not allowed to bring your smartphone out uh, during that time. Uh, now we, we, we hope that um, you can see there's, there's a lot that we need to think about. Uh, it does take a village to raise a child. Uh, we want to commend to you our church. We have a lot of uh, great things that you can be a part of here at Church by the Bridge to help you in this challenging, very challenging task of parenting. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off a whole bunch of stuff that we we offer here at church. Uh, every Sunday we have kids program at our 9.45 and 3.30 service. Uh, on a Thursday morning, if you have toddlers, we have a uh, playtime group. Friday afternoon we have a primary age, uh, uh, in, yep, infants and primary age kids club after school. Um, and then we have a youth group on a Friday night. Uh, coming up next Sunday we've got a, an open house Super Sunday uh, that anyone would be welcome to come and find out what we do at Kids Church. Uh, and then it, it's not just uh, putting our kids in good environments, it's also strengthening ourselves as parents and, uh, and strengthening our, our relationships, our marriages. 
uh, that we would be better um, together in, a, in our task of parenting. So we have a, another parenting seminar coming up on the 31st, Monday the 31st of July for, for toddlers, and we're going to offer a seven-week marriage course um, uh, in the, the week after that. So uh, on Thursday the 3rd of August, we're going to be offering that. There's a, a little info desk up the back. If you do want to find out more, uh, just just check in there, and we can, um, we can give you some of these little flyers and, and let you know what's coming up. But for now, have a chat to people around you. We've got 10 minutes. Grab some tea. There's lots of lovely supper that's going to come out in the middle here. And uh, we'll, we'll get back together in 10 minutes. And his wife are going to be running that marriage course. And uh, you, can, you can just uh, give your email address to, uh, on the info desk and we'll, we'll let you know the details about that. Well, let's hand back to James and Simone. We've got another 45 minutes and uh, might have a little bit of time for questions. See how we go. Okay. I know that 10 minutes felt like you just inhaled it and it was gone in, in 30 seconds. Um, I'm going to try and uh, pick up the pace here because we've got so much good stuff I want to get through. Um, but, you know, feel free to sort of wave at me to slow down if I'm going too fast. Um, we talked before, you know, been working through this driving model. Be informed, understand how the car works, um, and then some driving lessons, and that's really not about teaching them the technology itself, but how to be wise in the use of the technology. Um, the defensive driving, as we said before, is a little bit about, well, what are the common dangerous situations that parents and teens and, and even younger kids find themselves in? How do you spot them, avoid them, and if you end up in them, get out of them? So we're going to work through four topics now. And the first one is that um, wonderful sort of social media, social networking space. Who, who's on some kind of social media account, yeah? Is there anybody not on social media? Yeah, there's oh, always wow. okay. conscientious objectors. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Good job. And, and, and then there's some of you who just don't get it, right? Um, like, like I, why do I care what you had for breakfast, right? Uh, let, me, let me explain to you... Uh, and we'll do this exercise together. I know you've just had this, this wonderful time where you didn't get long enough to talk. Um, but we'll do, do this exercise where I will explain to you why people get addicted to social media in a way that you will never forget, I promise you. Okay? Um, now, for this to work, though, I really, really need you to be able to follow instructions. Is everyone up for that? Yeah? Okay, you can do that. So, I know you just had a break to talk to people, so now is not the time. I'm going to actually ask you to say something to someone near you, and in fact, I'm going to ask someone to say something to you. So, everyone needs to say something, and everyone needs to have it said to them, but you're not allowed to say anything else. Deal? All right. And you know what? This works even better if you can find a stranger and say it to them, okay? Okay. In this wonderfully online-connected social media world, there's plenty of strangers out there. I don't know whether there's many strangers in the room. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to spy... You, know, you can turn to, to someone next to you that you came with if you know, you're too scared for the stranger thing. But I want you to turn to someone near you, and I don't want anyone to miss out. So if you're up there on your own, you have to jump up and come and do that as well. Thank you. I don't want anyone to miss out. I want you to go to somebody. You're only allowed to say these three words. I like you. Go. Anyone miss out? Anyone not been liked? 
Okay. Now, here's the thing. If you're anything like me, that felt pretty good. And you know what? If a total stranger said it to you, and you know I just told them to say it, and you know they've got absolutely no basis on which to form an opinion of you, but they, it still felt pretty good, didn't it? What happens, the boffins tell me that what just happened is that your body released oxytocin. Any mums familiar with that hormone? Yeah. Oxytocin, the cuddle drug, the love drug, the thing that actually helps you bond with baby and trust people. Now, they study this stuff, and there's a reason they study it, because if I can manipulate your level of trust, I can sell you more, right? Um, and so uh, a, a journalist writing up a story on this submitted himself to oxytocin blood test before and after 10 minutes of social media use. He experienced a spike in his oxytocin level the same as a bridegroom on his wedding day. Ten minutes on Twitter. And he's feeling the love. This is why we get addicted to social media. Now, the astute amongst you will notice I said bridegroom, not bride's mother or bride, right? But still, um, he was feeling the love. And he's feeling the love because we like to be liked. It taps into the way God made us for relationship. It's a little bit of an artificial, synthetic um, receptor that we're tapping into there when we do it with social media. But that's why you know people, and I'm sure it's not you, but you know people who post something and then spend the next half an hour checking back and counting how many likes they've got, right? My uh, teenage daughters come to me just after they've got their Instagram account and say, 57 people like my photo. And, and while I celebrate with them, I also have to encourage them, you know what? Your worth is not measured by how many people... Uh, and we see these teen girls that just post these photos baiting for, you know, wanting people to like them. It becomes an addiction to get that. Alrighty, so what are the stats on uh, social media? The biggest social media account, hands down, is Facebook. It's, there's more people on Facebook than in a country or there's billions of people on Facebook or whatever. Children aged between 10 and 12, 75% of them have a social media account. The interesting thing about that statistic is, what is the age requirement to join a social media account? Does anyone know the age requirement for Facebook? 13. 13. Does anyone know the age requirement for Instagram? 13. 13. Does anyone know the age requirement for, pick another one, what's up there? Snapchat's a little bit different. They actually have an older one, um, a slightly older age group. Um, Pinterest? 13. 13. YouTube account? 13. 13. Does anyone think that Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest sat down and thought, now, how old will be mature enough um, for people to be on our platform and not to cause any social harm? No. Why 13? Because at 13, under 13, you are considered a child in the age of the US legislation called COPPA, the Child Online Protection Act. Uh, translate that to business speak, it costs me lots of money if you sign up because I have to be able to verify a whole lot more things and put a whole lot more protections in place. It's much quicker and easier to put a checkbox on my sign-up page or a date of birth entry that says I am over 13 and then I'm you know, absolved of responsibility for protecting you. So just because you're allowed to sign up at 13 doesn't mean that 13-year-olds are necessarily mature enough to handle the time, relationship and content issues that come with social media. Hmm. We, we know, personally, oodles and oodles of parents who are quite happy for their children to lie about their age in order to have a social media account. Uh, the YouTube um, 
page thing. Uh, what, do you, what do you call it? I just said it. The account, YouTube account. I know little kids, four, five, six-year-olds with their own YouTube accounts. And you have to lie about your age to get them and to go on Facebook. I know eight-year-olds on Facebook. Parents agree to this stuff. What does that tell your kids if you think it's perfectly okay to lie about your age to get something you want to get? You're actually entering into a contract with all of these sites. So I know you're probably not the ones that sit and read all the terms and conditions and scroll very carefully right down to the end before you click I agree. He makes uh, our kids do that. Yeah, I, yes, I'm that dad. Um, and uh, we are entering into a contract. What are we saying these days about our word and the value of who we are and what we say we'll stand behind if we don't read the stuff ourselves, but particularly if we say to our kids, yeah, it's okay, just put a different date of birth in. All right, 49% of kids are on Facebook. This is under 12, under 13-year-olds, and 41% are on Instagram. Instagram is another one that we frequently see kids getting on quite young because they get their devices, their iPhones or their iPods, and so they take photos, so they want to use Instagram. And Instagram can be innocent, but it isn't necessarily innocent. And we do quite frequently come across parents whose kids have stumbled into some dark areas of Instagram because they're just too young to make wise decisions and other people take advantage of them. 96% uh, of teens aged 13 to 18 have a social media account. That's probably no surprise. 43% um, of them have messaged strangers. That was an alarming statistic we came across this week. 43% have messaged strangers. So much for the stranger danger talk. It all kind of goes out the window when you get online. And here's the thing. We talked about, you know, the kids know how to use the social media. But to kids, anyone you've met online once or twice is no longer a stranger. Right? They don't get it. And what they don't get to, there was a very famous cartoon in the 90s um, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, and it was to a dog talking to a dog or a cat or something, right? The point is, the one presenting themselves as another 13-year-old girl may be the 40-year-old man. And the kids think they'll be able to spot a predator or they'll be able to spot a creep. Um, but uh, having spoken with a lot of um, police who, or not a lot, um, with some police who um, have worked in uh, that side of pretending to be kids so that they can catch the creeps that are pretending to be kids, um, they are very sophisticated in the way they do this. And so we need to actually re-educate them about what a friend is and what a stranger is and all those kind of things. Our parents start the whole social media thing uh, because we put up our baby videos and our baby photos, don't we? Even ultrasound pictures are on Facebook. I, can't get, I don't get that, why somebody put up there. Even though those 3D ones where the babies are really ugly, I don't know why they do them on... Anyway, sorry if I've offended anybody. Um, and look, I'm about to be a grandmother, so I'm probably going to... Um, post photos of my grandchild on Facebook. But don't we start early? And the kids grow up believing that this is the world they grow up in. Um, they want to see their, themselves online. They think they're famous. And they grow up with an entitlement. And we, we do that to them, don't we? Um, there are three areas of social media. There's the public, the Facebooky kind of Instagrammy public place. There's the private spaces, the Snapchat, the self-distracting kind of slightly secretive ones. And there's your anonymous ones, your whisper, your secret, those ones that are anonymous people. Quite, uh, look out for those. That's a bit of a warning sign if you've got kids going to those areas. 
so there's a whole lot of, we've got a whole lot of tips in our book that I haven't got time to talk about in terms of going through this with your child. Uh, respect their public page if they're teenagers, don't post embarrassing things, you know, that's just not good for a relationship. Uh, have some rules, don't post that we're all going on holidays and the house is empty, that's not wise. But they don't know that until we teach them. So lots of things to teach them. Yeah, about. a lot of it is teaching them discretion. Um, what's appropriate to share, when should you ask permission, all that sort of stuff. The stuff that you would expect of normal conversation with people offline, um, but they kind of get absorbed in the whole medium and, and forget. Embarrassing and so, photos of their friends. And, and, all that and you don't have to then debrief. So, say you start to observe something spiralling downhill on, on your child's social media account, or they post something that's not that wise. You don't have to comment on it. You can actually debrief in the kitchen, you know, in, in, in what one of my friends calls in 3D, like face-to-face, -face, right? You can actually talk to them about it and, and, and we'll talk to you maybe some tips about how you approach those conversations. All right, but we're moving on. Cyberbullying is the next one. Okay. Uh, Cyberbullying is just bullying, really. It's the same old-fashioned bullying that the human race has always done. Um, it's just packaged differently. It's packaged into technology. Uh, what is cyberbullying? It's willful and repeated harm inflicted through the use of computers, mobile phones and other electronic devices. So willful and repeated. Often our children complain or talk about other people complaining about cyberbullying and it was a, a, a comment here or something there. That, that's mean, but it's not cyberbullying. Cyberbullying, when it's willful, it's directed, it's repeated, it's an attack and it's an ongoing attack, then you hit the realm of cyberbullying. Uh, the most common method of cyberbullying amongst kids and teenagers is text messaging. So it's not actually public and it's quite secretive. This is actually one of the reasons um, that it's really good to, you know, we don't just have that bookshelf with all the USB ports so they can dock their devices because we're worried about them, you know, playing games all night or watching porn in their bedroom and they're, they're both things that, you know, you, you want to be careful of and protect. But when I was little and had, and yes, you know, you can tell I'm in IT, right? I was not the sports jock. When I had the bullies following me home, I knew I could walk through the gate, the front gate, and inside the house, and there was sanctuary. But if I let my kids carry the devices through the front door and upstairs into their bedroom, then they're bringing them with them. And I don't know whether you've ever done something where one per 50 people have said how great you did, but one person gave you a negative comment and you dwell on that negative comment? Well, when you've got someone telling you you're worthless, you should never have been born, I'm going to get you, you are dead, you tend to feed on it and sort of disappear into it. And so we need to dock devices simply as a way of circuit breaking and having that sort of space. Mm. Now, there are lots of statistics on uh, observing cyberbullying, being part of cyberbullying, Quite equal in terms of statistics in, um, regarding being a cyber bully and being cyber bullied, the statistics are fairly equal. So kids are engaging in it at the same rate that they're getting cyber bullied, which is bizarre, but anyway, that's the way kids work. Um, recent studies in Canada, and not just Canada, but around the world, clearly showed, interestingly, that teenagers who have regular family meal times significantly reduce the risk of cyberbullying. How's that? Just have a meal together at the table. Anyone still do that? Oh, you know, it's just, yeah, good on you. Um, <laughs> that was rhetorical, but good on you. Um, <laughs> because it's a really simple thing because it's actually about, and it's not having a meal at the table where 
we're all just doing this, right? But it's actually having a meal at the table with face-to-face relationship, talking about your day, how, you know, things like that. Resilience, it builds resilience. And so while those things may start, they don't end up in the downward spiral. It feels like a simple thing. It's extremely important for your kids and it's an easy thing to drop off the end of a busy life when you're driving kids here and there and they've got ballet and they've got soccer and they've got cricket and they've got tutoring and they've got this and that and the other and you never sit as a family. Make time to do that. Work it out. Most kids um, have had some level of involvement with cyberbullying as the bully, as the victim or knowing a friend who is being bullied. Most kids. And yet more than half don't tell their parents about it. It's by far the majority won't tell mum and dad if there's a cyberbullying incident happening to them or a friend. Why do you think that is? What are they afraid of? Yeah, they might make it worse. Yeah, this is the one thing you do not do, all right? They won't tell you because you'll say... I knew that thing would get you into trouble. That's it. I'm taking it off you. Now, you have to understand this from their perspective. When we were kids, let's pick um, at youth group, and um, there was an event being organised, someone would send this old-fashioned technology home called a note. It was on paper, right? And it would tell mum and dad where we were going and how much it would cost and who'd be picking us up and who'd be bringing us home and all the ins and outs of it. When our kids have got something on, we say... Where's the note? They say, no. It's all on Facebook. It was all just organised in the online world. This is not somewhere they go, it's where they live. And so FOMO, everyone heard FOMO? Fear of missing out. You disconnect me, you take me out of all my social circles, my whole world. So what is the right response for cyberbullying? How are we going to handle that? Um, If you come up against this, and chances are you won't know, but you need to look for signs of changes in the way they are engaging, changes in the way that um, kids are relating. Um, And hopefully, if you're having meals at home and everything, then, you know, you'll have built the resilience that they'll bounce back. But if they start to get quieter, if they spend more and more time in their room with their door closed, it's it's worth investigating. Um, One of the things you need to be able to do is allow them to have a circuit breaker. So while we don't say, I'm taking it off you, we might just have an IT break, just an unplugged weekend or something. Sometimes this stuff just settles down real quick, particularly those sort of year nine girls age where, you know, who I'm sitting sitting with and talking to changes on such a... Go on a holiday where there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, Your kids will love you. um, If things are continuing to escalate and not getting... Um, better, you might want to actually, you, ne- you need to live in, in two different worlds. You need to both keep copies, but also take, it, take those copies away from the child. You don't want them dwelling on it and feeding on it and reminding themselves how everyone thinks they're useless. At the same time, you might want some evidence to be able to have a conversation with the other child's parent. And then you realise why the other child is like that. And then you want to have a conversation with the teacher. And then you want to have a conversation, if necessary, with the police. Um, but you need to be able to do screenshots or something to archive and then delete so that you've got a trail. Hmm. Uh, okay. we, we have more of that in the book and we also have a bit of information about if you find that your child's the cyberbully, which is kind of earth-shattering that your precious darling could be doing that. But you know what? It can easily spiral out of control and kids, they don't see what the end result and they can get find themselves caught up 
in a stacks-on kind of situation uh, that they don't really know how to get if, out of. If, is your child the one that will go and stand behind the one that was told they were ugly and say, I still like you? Or are they the one that will just add another layer of insult? It's about teaching them grace and, and kindness online and offline. All right, we're going to move on. Oh, so in everything, to do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. There's a lot of wisdom in the Bible about how we relate to each other. Uh, a lot, like most of the Bible, really, I suppose. And, and the digital stuff's just packaging. They're the same heart issues. At the heart of our modern-day problems are the same old issues of the heart. We just have to learn how to navigate it now that it comes to us through little four-inch screens. All right, next one is gaming. I, I, I didn't have time to find some up-to-date statistics on gaming. The oldest statistics I have are 14 hours a week playing games, with some stats at 21 hours a week playing games, but I'm pretty sure that that is an old statistic, judging by what I see even in my own home about how much gaming is possible. If Does anyone have kids that move from one screen to the next to the next? Because they've had their tablet time, so now they're going to ask if they can go on the computer, or, and then when they've done that, they want to get onto the Xbox or the Wii or the, you know, whatever. Like, it's just... They can do it. Di di there are different gender concerns, um, and something we didn't mention earlier, but we talk about content, relationship, and time. All generalisations are wrong. That's the first thing you should understand, including this one. But um, generally, boys will struggle more with content, so they're going to be struggling with maybe the content in games, um, the, the top-rating game, the highest-selling game um, amongst... I've forgotten the age bracket. Uh, I've got this written down somewhere, but not teenage in our notes. Teenage boys, I don't think um, Teenage boys in general, but I, I think it's the younger teenage boys, um, is based on a storyline of raping women, stealing cars, killing police. That is the most popular game. So boys are likely to be more... run into trouble with content. Uh, your girls are more likely to get into trouble in the social media sphere, the cyberbullying sphere, with relationship. Because that's just the way God... Well, you, know, you women know this. We're emotional cripples. We, we don't relate. But we, you know, we'll get caught up with all the sort of violence and gore and everything else. Um, and so with gaming, it actually touches on all three. But different games will get different um, people. You can disappear in time for hours. Some games take hours and hours to play. And if you withdraw from the game... Um, you actually lose status and privilege and points and everything. So that's a real dangerous one. Um, you can, there's terrible content that we talk about. There's also a relationship. Many games are based on um, social networking and, and playing with other players, and that can be an issue as well. It starts very young. They've got games for six-month-olds, so that just blows my mind a little bit. So as a parent, just kind of keep it in check. It might be good. It might be educational, um, but... There are no statistics that prove that educational games make any academic difference at all. In fact, all the results are negative, not positive. So we think we're doing the right thing for our kids. We really aren't. Uh, there's nothing like teaching them to read offline. is actually pretty effective. Um, play games together occasionally. I mean, you can't, like, never have games. you just got to keep a check on it. Play games together with your kids so it's not just an individual thing. Um, play games in public places. So if your kids are playing games, make sure they're sitting in the lounge room playing games, not in the cupboard upstairs. Um, if you have teenagers that are sort of disconnecting and living in a, in a game world, have you thought about whether you can enter that world with them and spend a bit of time with them 
online, I know. Yeah, right, okay. Maybe doing something with them and understand um, that world. Lots of things to say. Time limits. You can actually have time limits for your kids. It's, you know, it's an old-fashioned concept, but we have a timer on the microwave and we use it. We yeah. say, yes, you can have half an hour and when the timer goes off, that's the end. <laughs> actually, and you'll see this when we get into the last part about seatbelts and airbags, but parental controls are great. Don't forget, though, that probably the most powerful ones are the word no and the stove timer or something. It doesn't have to be the technology. You don't have to lock everything down sometimes, but they're just only as strong as parental resolve. Are you actually going to stick to what you said? Um, I don't want to leave this topic. I, I know we're pushed for time, but I don't want to leave this topic. I talked about sort of picking up um, situations and maybe avoiding something that you might want to get into. Without, Has anyone got uh, or, or knows a friend who's got a, a, a kid who might be on the sort of uh, Asperger's sort of spectrum. Um, there, there's a, a particular, and, and we have personal friends, we've seen um, uh, this unfold as a tragedy. Um, there's a particular class of game I just want you to be aware of that is very attractive to the maybe socially awkward boys that don't really get on quite so well, but they're very good at technology, and God's given them this beautiful gift of focus. If you know those sort of Aspie kids that really can focus really well, so they get onto these massively multiplayer online games. And, you know, we talked about on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. You can be anyone you like. And so, whereas socially, in a social setting, you're uncomfortable and awkward and perhaps rejected, in this, you can be a really big hero and because you're smart and know how the game works and can work things out, you can actually accumulate a great deal of status. But as I said before, some of these games actually reward you for being there and spending hours and 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 you can get better and better and better and feel good about yourself and penalise you if you're away. They also try and make money out of these games so you can actually buy advantage. So you can spend real physical money in an imaginary world to get better weapons or armour or whatever it is that is going to help you finally be someone that people will respect. And we have seen um, this uh, personally um, uh, with some friends whose son went through a total personality change and the withdrawal was like coming off a hard drug. It was violent and um, uh, it was just really heartbreaking to watch. So I just wanted you to be aware that sometimes you're better off avoiding these situations and not getting into them. Um, those games that take a long time, particularly for these kids, that um, can focus really well, but also it, it rewards them in a sense of um, satisfaction and We'll just help them with their own self-control by limiting their time so that they get their own, over time, gain their own self-control over it and don't kind of squirrel down to it. We have a cyber parenting Facebook page and um, I posted a, something mm. the other day which got a lot of attention, relatively, to our little page and, and it was an article about... Um, do you have a toddler who throws tantrums? Well, not, not, not even a just toddler, toddler. It was a school-aged kid, really. You have kids. Um, who throws a tantrum when you take the iPad away. So parents and, out there um, are wanting to set screen time limits. But what happens when that time is over? Well, the kids are throwing massive tantrums. We understand that. We've seen it in our house a couple of times or more. Uh, so what's the big secret? This article was all about what was the big secret to solve it. And it was talking about how boys especially, it was a very boys targeted article, need time to escape physically. 
So the article is suggesting that they, when their time is up, they put it down and they run around the block or around the house or somewhere, do some intense physical running. And that little step between the iPad time and the next activity, whatever it was, of exerting some physical energy reduced the tantrums massively. This mum had tried everything from giving five-minute warnings to getting agreement beforehand to setting the stove timer to getting them to sign contracts. We all, we all knew that we, we're going to try... You know, you, you agree, right? When your time's up, your time's up. Big tantrums. The one thing that was the circuit breaker... Right, now, go round and round the block. Boys need to be active. Hmm. So there's a tip. We picked that one up. All righty. There are some good games out there, and so just be wise about what they're doing. Not every game is suitable, not every game is amazing, but, you know, you've got to balance that. All right, the last one that we're going to talk about. Did you want to do that? Oh. This was really, um, uh, came, I guess, you know, the Bible's just got such great wisdom, and um, I guess I was thinking about the content of games when I, when I looked at this. You know, there's stuff that you feed your mind on. Um, and if the most popular category, in particularly for teenage boys, is raping women, stealing cars and killing policemen, um, maybe we just need to be helping them think about what they want to be thinking about, whatever's lovely and pure, right? Okay. And that's probably a, a, a terrible segue into this topic because, um, because pornography, you know, sex is great. Uh, we've got six kids and, you know, people would look at me and say, don't you have a TV? And I finally worked out the right response to that was to look them in the eye and say, if you think watching TV is better than sex, you're doing it wrong. Um, but the, the whole... <laughs> yeah. uh, it's late, I know, it takes a while. Okay. But the whole thing about pornography is it takes something that's beautiful and God-given and meant for and in relationship and commodifies it and makes it selfish and taking instead of intimate and giving. And it's a terrible, terrible addiction. You've got some updated the, stats? Yeah, on. the average age of first exposure to internet porn is eight. 79% of youth unwanted exposure to pornography occurs in the home. Nine out of ten children aged between eight and 16 have viewed pornography on the internet. The largest single age group viewing child pornography is 15 to 19-year-olds. Um, those stats are out of date. We've been... Every time we do this talk, we try and find... It's very hard to find reliable stats. How were the statistics actually collected? Was it reputable? You know, do people brag or do they hide their information when they're answering surveys? What kind of methodology was used? But the one thing we have noted time and time again, every time we update the statistics, is whatever particular number it is, it's going in the worst direction. So if it's about the um, percentage of kids at a particular age that have seen pornography at that age, it's going up. If it's about what's the age of first exposure, it's going down. The, it's an epidemic and it's getting worse. Mm. My brother's writing a, uh, doing a PhD, PhD. on it at the moment. So it'll be interesting when he finally finishes. And, we'll get some updated um, stats, that's right. To find out, um, yeah, to find out what is. It's a horrible topic. Anyway. Uh, look, we have a quote that we like to use. And the, this is the quote. Uh, the statistics have been published. The literature has widely circulated. The conversations continue, but the issue still doesn't seem to be addressed with due vigilance. I'm talking about teenagers with unrestricted access on their smartphones and tablets. I'm just stunned by parents who give their preteen children iPhones and iPads with unrestricted internet access. We rightly claim that pornography is an addiction, but we don't seem to be challenging the dealers of this drug. Who are these dealers? Parents. 
Parents who foolishly give their teens and preteens free reign with their smartphones and by doing so have invited the world into their child's bedroom each night. Some of you might think I'm being a bit extreme, but after wrapping up another summer of youth retreats, my eyes have been opened once again to this absolute foolishness. Things our youth post on social media prove many things, and one is parental absence in this sphere. So that was a quote from about six years ago. And it's much worse now, sadly. We have a responsibility to our kids to protect them. We have heard numerous stories of how people's children have come across this dark world um, of pornography, from children stealing the person's Wi-Fi from next door, figuring out their password and using their Wi-Fi to get onto stuff. Um, a particular mum who was homeschooling one child and one child went to school and in the five minutes morning and afternoon it took her to drive one kid to school, the child the that daughter. was left home, it was a girl, it was a daughter, uh, was spending five minutes on a hardcore pornography site morning and afternoon. How old was she? She was 11. And the mother was devastated when she found yes, out. It's a beautiful Who family being very diligent in their parenting and didn't think it could happen to them. And here's where you need, you know, we teach our kids to swim, but we also put up the pool fences. Here's where you need the filters and stuff, because it's the accidental clicks that got this girl to there. She was, in fact, doing her maths homework online one day when she clicked on something flashing at the side, and it was just two clicks away from pornography. And this stuff is so powerfully addictive that this poor little 11-year-old girl was absolutely trapped and couldn't wait for mum to leave and would be um, anxious about when mum would get home. And then one day it was discovered. And this um, mum contacted me saying, what do I do? And this little girl was so relieved to have been found out, this burden that she was carrying. Mm. Um, and that's the other thing about the stats too. Um, we tend to think of pornography as a male issue. Um, and a, a lovely mum at, at our church said to me, you know, I don't know where I'm going to find... I've only got daughters, so pornography is not really a, something I'm too worried about, except that I don't know where I'm going to find a young man for my, boy, for my girls when they're older who hasn't been polluted by pornography. But the stats show she's wrong. The stats show that women are equally addicted to pornography. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a really um, damaging well, I, thing. I asked that mother why she didn't have filters on her computer and she said she didn't think she needed them. She said, I've got good kids. I didn't think I needed them. You know what? We all need them. We might have good kids. But good kids don't know that a flashing ad that says, click here for a great prize, is going to send them a prize that's going to send you them don't, in a dark You may place. not need the filters because you filter stuff out as you read. You know that that's the main article and all this rubbish over here is someone trying to get your money or um, sell you something or whatever. Right? Kids yeah. don't filter like that, so we need to impose filters on our networks for them. So there are other things to do. Password locks, again, filters, accountability software for when your kids get older. Uh, keeping main computers and devices in public areas of the house, not letting them squirrel away uh, in the dark. Use contracts, use boundaries, um, but also invest in family relationships. Be a part of your teen's world. Don't let your relationship disappear because the more the stronger your relationship is with your kids the more opportunity you're going to have to talk about some of those hard topics that will come up and they will come up um, come in up. fact if it's awkward for your kids to talk about it you know that they will go elsewhere because where do they find out the answer to anything they go google right this is not a topic you want them googling about you, you want to be 
you know, we're the first generation of parents now that have to have not only the, the sex education talk, but the online pornography talk as well. I mean, what a, what a tragedy. And we have to do, figure out a way to navigate that in a way that doesn't actually uh, pollute them in the process and introduce ideas that they actually hadn't come across yet. Um, and so you actually have to keep the dialogue open and you have to actually be able to um, start while they're young and you're supervising them closely, you might be sitting next to them and say, look, if you ever see anything when you're online that makes you uncomfortable, you just close that window and come and see me. And it starts there and the conversation has to mature as they get older because my Wi-Fi filters in Wollongong are no use to my 21-year-old son in Mount Gambia. Right? We have to actually help them transition from blocking this stuff off to maybe being accountable with a friend, um, you know? And getting an, uh, if, you're a, if you're a Christian, getting another Christian man that will hold you accountable. You've seen anything you shouldn't be watching lately. Those kind of things. Hmm. Okay. I think we'll move on to yep. the last section, seatbelts and airbags. How, would, how long do we have? Five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. So you're going to get the power tour through. Um, this is the safety features. This is the stuff that we should all do. This is the pool fence or the seatbelts and airbags where we do want to emphasise the parenting mostly about how you teach them character and all those things but we want them to be safe from the accidental stuff. So I'm going to do this really quickly, um, and I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about parental controls at a very high level. Right? The first thing you need to remember is no technology controls are perfect. This is an arms race. This goes for IT security, um, as well as um, protecting your family in that security sense as well. Um, so make no mistake, um, getting your kids addicted to porn is a goal of the porn industry because it's money, okay? Um, and it's the same for online scams and uh, everything else. They want your kids. They want your kids' identity. That's another discussion. Um, so no technology controls are perfect. Secondly, your kids are smarter than you. Anyone here actually work in IT? Um, even for those of us who work in IT, they're of a different generation. And if they're not smarter than you, there's a geek in the playground who is, all right? And so if you are using parental controls to lock it down and control them and control their behaviour, you've missed the point. That's not what the pool fence is for. It's there to protect the ones who can't swim, the ones who might accidentally stumble in. So parental controls, that's the first thing I really want you to understand, is they're not there to manage their behaviour. They're there as protection. And they will grow up, so you need to be able to transition them, okay? And you move them from filtering to maybe accountability software, which is just a, a way of, um, you know, you can, instead of installing something that looks at the websites I visit and then blocks them, it looks at the websites I visit and lets me go there, but also sends a copy of something dodgy to my mate that I've said, will you hold me accountable for what I'm looking at? I find when someone's watching me, I'm less likely to do something embarrassing. Anyone else find that? I'm just talking generically here, right? And therefore, if I, make, if I live in public, it's, um, it's less likely that I'm going to stray. Okay. Um, so how do you protect your child at home, at school, and at a friend's house? Because it's all very well to load up protection software on the device at home, but that software's not on your, your uh, friend's computer, but it's also not on... If you put it on your network, say you put filters on your network and then they take their device over to someone else's Wi-Fi, it's no, no longer helpful. Um, what has the school got? Um, and we've talked about how uh, different um, schools are starting to introduce different IT, and sending tablets home with kids and all the rest of it. 
you need to work in partnership with your school and understand what their policies are and what is expected of bringing home that school device, etc. Um, and, and ask them the hard questions. Who's configured your network for, so that my kid will be safe at school? Um, and uh, so we need to think about this in terms of the dimensions. So we talked about content. So for content, we can use filtering. Um, and you can get that software for your devices, but more effectively a software that goes on your network. And you can buy subscription services um, so that you actually sign up, enrol a device, and maybe swap out the browser for um, another browser. And it, you know, there's even ones out there that'll tell you if they've signed up to social media and then tried to create another account, because that happens, right? I've got the account that shows that I'm a good kid for mum and dad, and then the other one that I use with all my friends. Okay? So those services are out there, and they change at such a rapid rate that there's no good me telling you what's current, because I can't even keep up. What you need to do is, is look at your IT, whether you've got Androids or Apple stuff, or whether you've got um, you know, uh, Windows laptops or Macs and all that stuff, and actually understand what your ISP provides and things like that. The other dimension we talked about was time. Well, with time, we need to use limits. And as I said before, the stove timer and the word no works as long as there's parental resolve behind it. But they just know how to find that right level of wine to really get at you. And, you know, that's why we, you know, we had that dad who wanted to go back to sleep, so he threw them a phone and said, watch something on Netflix, right? Um, we've got to have the resolve to, to deal with that. And then the third one is relationships. And we have to manage relationships. And in our house, this looks like when, you know, at a certain age... And this is so dated. Like, I mean, you know, we actually give our kids email accounts. I don't know whether kids still have email accounts these days. Um, but, uh, you know, because old people use email. Um, but uh, with, with, when we would give them an email account, it, initially we would start with who they could and couldn't email, and we would actually control that. So they could email mum and dad and grandma, and they could, any, any email that came to their address um, that wasn't from someone that we'd said that they, it would come to us first and we could click approve or not. So those kind of things. So we need to manage a relationship. And again, you hand it over. Remember, we're trying to get them from here, where you make all the decisions, to here when they move out of home and they do it all themselves. And so we have to hand over that, both through the technology controls we use as well as our parental resolve. At what point are we sort of stop walking with them and just checking in occasionally? Okay. Know your apps. Who, who's actually got kids with a device of some kind of their own? Yep, okay. Do you know what apps are on it? Would you recognise them? If you, we've got a friend who does random raids. Now, you may or may not choose to do this, but she, when she first gave her teenage f a, a smartphone, um, she said, now, at any time I'm going to ask you for this and I'm going to be able to check through it and you will give it to me unlocked or you can't have the device. Do you understand? Yes, Mum. Right? And so she would come up and say, right, random raid. And she would go through, oh, I thought we agreed you weren't going to be texting anyone after at 10pm. You know. Now, whatever approach you take, you want to do it in a way that is sort of not going to undermine trust. I don't recommend software that spies on your kids behind their back. Right? Uh, you actually want to build trust. So you want to, but do you know what those apps are? Could anyone recognise all of those icons? If you picked up your kid's phone or tablet, would you know whether they, each of those things belongs in the green zone? Yeah, pretty safe to use. The grey zone depends on how you use it. Snapchat, for example. Everyone know what Snapchat is? Um, we've spent years telling kids, don't put photos out there on social media. It lasts forever. Someone in a job interview one day will look back and find it. Everything is permanent. Don't do it. And so these apps come up that allow you to take a photo, and it self-destructs, supposedly, self-destructs after 10 seconds or 60 seconds. 
What do you think people are going to use that for? Again, it depends on how you use it. Technology itself is neither good nor evil, but the way you choose to use that technology can be. And so um, it might be a grey area, or there's ones that actually, you know what, their main purpose is for nastiness. Um, some of those ones that we talked about before about an anonymity. A lot of the cyberbullying and some of the well-publicised cases of suicide have been about cyberbullying with these anonymous apps. Um, Ask FM, is Ask that Ask FM, and Whisper, Whisper is another one. Where, you know, they're, they're put up supposedly with good intentions. Is I want to be able to tell my secrets to somebody, but I can't tell who I am, so I want to be able to do it totally anonymously. But it actually gets used for being able to really gang up on people and be nasty and, and no one can find the perpetrator. So be informed, know your apps and understand. So that's... Yeah. We've run out of time. We have run out of time. Everything you learn about passwords is wrong. The one thing I'm going to give you for homework is go, what's your most important, important password that you have? For which account is your password the most valuable? It's not your bank account, but that's the first answer I always get, so thank you. <laughs> your Wi-Fi? It's not even your Wi-Fi, but that's, a, that's an interesting one. Sorry? The one on your phone. Yes, that could, depending on how you've set up your phone, that could be, there's one that's more important than that. Your email address. Can anyone think why? What happens when you forget a password to your banking or to anything else? I go to their site and say, I've forgotten my password. Please reset. Send me a reset link. Once I know your email password, I can sit there quietly and then try that on every site and press reset links. Once I've got control of your email account, I own you, totally. Now, the reason I say this to you is not directly about parenting, but it is because you need to learn how to be safe and then teach safety to your kids. So uh, I can't go into it now, but I want you to go home and look up two-factor authentication or two-step authentication and turn that on for your email account. It's far more important than on your bank account. Over to you. Well... That's all we have time for. We could talk for another three hours quite easily. Um, we need but you're probably to, glad if we don't. We need to there are some resources up there if you want to look into more to do with um, cyber safety and that kind of thing, if you want to um, get a copy of that. Um, lots of places online to look at. If you are on Facebook and you like our cyber parenting page, we post most days articles about all kinds of things through parenting and technology that might be helpful to you. Um, so you can check that out as well. Thank you, Ed. Thank you very much, James and Simone. Uh, like they said, their, their book is on sale uh, tonight for $20 if you'd like to grab a copy of that. And James and Simone are happy to hang around. Uh, they'll, they'll stand next to the bookstore over there and ask, answer some questions if you'd like to ask any questions. I'm sorry that we didn't get time for that tonight. Uh, as I don't know if you're like me, but I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed by the cyber world. Uh, uh, we have great promises from our God that he not only watches over and protects us, but can watch over and protect the children that he's entrusted to us. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and ask God to protect uh, both us and our children in the cyberspace, and then we'll say thank you to our presenters and head home. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, um, help us to love our children like you love us, with a strong, secure intentional and unfailing love. 
and protect us and our children from the dangers of the cyber world and empower us to implement some of the skills and the attitudes and the practices that we've learned tonight. Amen. Well, let's give a, a big round of applause for James and Simone. Thank you very much for coming. And uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, please grab there's some more supper here. Uh, have a look on our bookstall, and uh, we'd love to see you again soon. Thank you. <laughs>